There was a Dutch company uh, by the name of Van Moof that uh, this Dutch company actually did major shipments of their product online. They did most of their sales online. This company has a goal to sell uh, by, by 2020 to sell out all their inventory. What do they sell? They sell bikes. They sell bikes and they do their online sales and they ship them in very, very large boxes. Maybe similar to this. And so in their shipment, this company uh, found that they were, as they were shipping this product, their product, um, they were getting to their customers defected, broken, bruised boxes and the such. And one of the higher-ups had an ingenious idea. said, one day, I have an idea. I'm looking at the numbers and we're finding that many of the companies that sell other products are getting to their customers uh, relatively unbroken and most of their products are getting there well in hand. They said one of those companies is companies that ship televisions. They find that the shipments arrive really, really well, uh, by and large, most part. Well, this particular company decided one day, we are going to now print the picture of a TV on the side of our boxes. We're still shipping bikes, but we're going to put a picture of a television on our boxes and we're going to ship them from our company headquarters. So they thought to themselves, let's see how this goes. Well, it turns out that as they did this, they found out that 70 to 80% jump in the, the arrival of their product arrived unscathed. 70 to 80%. That was a huge number for someone that, uh, obviously any company that's trying to ship items and trying to get them to get their product to their customer. And their customer base obviously was very happy with product being arriving in, well, not one piece, but you get what I'm saying. They'd arrive not broken. And so they had that idea and it worked. Their product got to their customer. And now, you know, this customer, uh, this particular company had struck gold, so to speak, in getting to their customer a uh, product that is unbroken. I wanted to share with you a thought because in Genesis it tells us that we were created in the image of God. And it tells us that we were, um, as we were created in the image of God, that, uh, that the Spirit of God would be, uh, not only did it hover over the face of the waters, but the Spirit of God would live in those who follow Him, those who make Him Lord. You follow me? Scripture teaches us that we can walk in the Spirit, that we can walk with the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And with the image of God, we walk. Dare I say to you this morning that we have to change the way we package our lives because what is inside is so precious, so important, so costly that we have to guard it at all turns. What I propose to you this morning is that we have to become dangerous disciples. Dangerous disciples. What I'm, what I'm asking you to do is consider embracing radical risk in your life. 
Because no matter if you've known the Lord for five months, five years, or 50 years, there is a level of risk that comes in following Jesus. A lot of people want to look for the safest route, right? Many people want to look for the safest route. That's why we pray for protection. We want to be safe, and I get that. But what, 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 I'm, not, what I'm not talking about is stop praying for your children for safety. That's not what I'm praying. And that's not what I'm preaching. What I'm saying to you is, there is a level of dangerous uh, discipleship that is necessary to see the church move forward. There is a level of, of staring at, uh, at danger and saying, I'm not afraid of you. And I'm not going to run from you. I'm not afraid of what is, what is in front of us. But I realize that what is in front of us is going to help shape the real me to come out of me. You see, because no matter what you paint here, when I open this box, it's what's inside that's going to matter. Right? If I open this box and there's an Etch-A-Sketch. Very different from what is being broadcast out here. But that's my product. That's what I have. And God is saying, stop looking at yourself. See, we, some of us see ourselves as this 75-inch ultra-high-definition television. And God says, you're living like an Etch-A-Sketch. And some of us product, put our product like this is an Etch-A-Sketch. But really, God sees you as an ultra-high-definition television. Both are not okay. Both of them are not okay. You have to realize that in your life, God has, he, when, he said he, when he sent his only son for you, he sent his son for you because the package and the contents inside of this are so important. Look at me. They're so important that he gave his son so that you would have life more abundantly. What I propose to you today is that many of us don't live dangerous discipleship because we're afraid of what it might cost us. And I'm telling you to stop looking at yourself like a lit match that's already went out. Pastor Tony, I've been in the faith a long time. I've gotten burned in the past. Come on, somebody. That'll, that'll, that'll translate. Stuff happened in my life. I'm already, a, I'm already a lit match that's been burnt out for a long time. God is ready to reinvigorate you today. I believe that there's people in this room that God is calling you to a new level of discipleship. He's calling you to a new level of commitment and following his word. A new level of embracing all the things that he has for you. And I'm telling you right now, when we value what's in the box, we treat the box with greater care too. Is that right? We, we understand that people are, are, are needing a good representation of God today. Have you seen the news lately? Have you noticed how negative and how callous and how sarcastic, how cynical our news is and how, how our world is today? We don't need any of that in the church. We get plenty of it through the week. But I know one thing is for sure. The further you are from God, the more cynical you are. The further you are from Christ in the relationship with him, the more cynical you are. And I, and I, and I propose to you today. That the true fact is that God has a huge price tag on you. He believes in you. He values you. But not because you of yourself, but because the Son of God laid his life down for you and for me. So he's worth living for. If we were worth dying for, he's worth living for.
I dare say this right here. And this thought. Not all men dream equally. Not every man dreams equally. When you follow Christ, you have really two real solid options. Really, you can either live your life casual to be somewhat successful. You know, you want to follow God, go to church, do X, Y, and Z. And you will then follow in suit and you will be a casual, do the necessary requirements kind of believer. We have those in the church. Do the necessary requirements. But then we also have the dangerous believers. The dangerous believers go the extra mile to see that the things that they've never seen are, are, are noticed and are done. I want to see things I've never seen before. I don't know about you, but I want to see and do things I've never seen and done before. And that's, that's the drive God is looking for. People that are ready to embrace radical risk and say, you know, it's going to cost me something to live for God. It's going to cost me something to live for God in my school, to live for God in my workplace. You know what? It's gonna, I'm going to have to change this to protect it. To, to protect the product inside. Because I value what's inside. You say, Pastor Tony, I thought you said you don't live or you're not saved by works. You're not saved by works. You're saved by the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me make this crystal clear. You are saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not anything else. It is the blood of Christ that saves you. But because of that blood, I live my life dangerously. I live my life understanding that he died for the contents inside of this box. He died for me. He died for you. And because he valued the contents in this box, so will I. You are. The content in this box. Your heart, your life, your calling. God died so that your life, your calling that is in this box would be given and dispersed throughout the world. Is this making sense to anybody here? Not all men dream equally. Our dream is driven by how we see ourselves and how we see the contents in this box. Some people see themselves as just barely good enough while others haven't a clue where they stand. Is that true? See, to those who desire to follow Christ, I want to tell you something. The culture that we live in, the things that we experience in our life, and I'm going to put this quote up on the screen here. The culture in which we live in and the culture in which we walk in is a combination of what we create and what we allow. The way you walk this Christian walk is a byproduct of what you have created in your life and what you allow. The things you create, the beliefs that you create, the things that you create, and also the things that you allow access into your life. We're going to look at scripture in just a moment and we're going to look at how the, the voices that you hear matter as to what decisions you make. What voices are you hearing? The culture you walk in is a combination of what you create and what you allow. Is this helpful? You see, Christ looks for those who have a dangerous DNA. A dangerous DNA. Those who are willing to go beyond the call of duty. Because coming into your calling means departing your comfort zone. It does. You don't want to hear that, I know. But Jesus approached people. By speaking to them right where they are. Did you know that? Let me give you some examples if I can. 
There's some examples that are found in scripture that teach us something. And, and, and here, here are some holy nudges, if we can call them here this morning. Some holy nudges. Because you realize when Jesus Christ encounters us, he usually is nudging us in the direction of turning toward him, not away from him. Listen, if, if, if you think God called you to do something, but it moves you further away from him, I strongly question whether that was God. Because he would never work against himself. He would never work against himself. See, so it hurts God to see us in a place where we live our life that is less than dangerous. Does that mean we have to be, uh, you know, putting our lives on the line? We have to, we only are called to go to countries where they're killing Christians. That's not what I'm talking about, friend. You're missing the point if that's the way you went. What I'm saying is radical risk in our lives. If it means risking people that, you know, I work with to make think. They may think I'm a little bit off the loop because I believe in a God that I can't technically see with my own eyes. I see God every day in people and the way we love each other. And since pastoring this church and taking on this church and what God has done here, this amazing thing that God has done here, I've seen God so many times in the lives of people. I've seen God even recently with the harvest offering. We're, you know we're only about $7,000 away from our $25,000 go. That amazing? Come on, somebody. We're almost there. What I'm saying is I'm seeing God in that because people care. I'm seeing God. When he created man in his own image, that's what he did. He, he put his, his person inside of each of us. So we got to deem that as important. So here's, here's the examples I want to talk about. First one I want to talk about is the Samaritan woman at the well. Some of you may find this, uh, I believe it's John chapter 4, uh, the woman at the well, right? We hear the woman at the well situation. Many of you know the story, some of you may not. This woman at the well, she was a Samaritan woman. She came to the well about noon hour. Everybody goes to the well in the morning before the sun gets hot. She was there at noon hour. Well, we find out later why she possibly went there when nobody else was going. Because she had, you know, she had failed marriages over and over again. Failed relationships. Failed things in her life. Things had went wrong. Things had went horribly bad. And she wanted to go when nobody else is there because she doesn't want to answer to anybody in their situation. Let me just go when I want to go and I don't want to deal with it. So this Samaritan woman shows up at the well and she's there at the well and she's just drawing her water. And in comes Jesus and comes to her and he says to her something that is absolutely, positively out of line. Jesus, you're out of line. You don't understand the culture, Jesus. Well, Jesus was really good at being out of line. He says to her this. Woman, can you give me a drink? And she says to him, do you know who you're talking to? And he replies, do you know who's talking to you? Right? Isn't that the right response? She's like, do you realize who you're asking for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman, is what she was basically saying. Do you know who you're asking? Because if he was to drink from a vessel of a Samaritan woman, he would become ceremonially unclean. And in essence, excommunicated from the Jewish temple. So he says to her, if you only knew the who, this, who it is that's asking you for a drink, 
you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. So while she's asking, do you know who you're talking to? He says, well, do you know who you're talking to? So many people that would look at the story, they would ask the question, why? Why, Jesus? Why'd you do this? Example number two. The disciples. The disciples were simply fishermen, many of them. Some of them, one was a tax collector, one, you know, and you got a lot of different job scenarios going on here, right? But he comes to the fishermen and he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Here they are, people that are considered, hey, this is a trade, whatever. But they weren't really highly regarded people because God can't choose me. He usually only chooses those who are really intelligent, only those that go to Bible school, only those that really understand things. He can't choose me, right? Wrong. That's exactly who he chooses. You, me, people that weren't supposed to make it. He loves to use them. So the disciples, here they are. They're just fishermen. That's what they do. They cast nets. They pull them in. They cast nets. They pull them in. That's what they do. And he says, instead, I'm going to have you fish men. The response to that would probably be, what? So, So say this with me. Say, why? Say this with me. Say, what? These are two questions that may pop up. Some of you did that way too well. Like you've been saying that all morning. Hopefully not. The disciples, they're saying, wait, wait, what? You make us fishes of what? What are you talking about? Right? So here's Jesus coming to them right where they are, right where they live, right where they understand their sweet spot to be. Right? And then not only that, he, when he encounters them, he nudges them always to live to a higher faith. He never encounters anyone and leaves them there. He encounters them and brings them up to where they can be. The woman at the well. He didn't just say, you've had some issues, haven't you? I'm the Messiah. It's what I do. I look at people's lives and I tell them how wrong they are. At least that's the way people see Jesus, right? They think that that's what Jesus does all day. He just points out all the things you've ever done wrong. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to correct you all day. Jesus has better things to do than to correct you all day. He wants to move you up. He wants to propel you to another level so you can honor him greatly. He, doesn't, he has better things to do. So we look at the woman at the well and he asks her for a drink. Why? He looks at the disciples and he says, come, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And people say, what? Well, here's the third one. And I want to share with you a small video clip. Um, And those of you online, you can't see this because it's copyright law. But I'm going to show you a video clip. And I want you to take a look at this scenario that Jesus meets. And here he is walking into a scenario of a woman who had just lost her son. She's a widow. And now she lost her son. And this is what the scenario looks like in this clip. Jesus saw a need He saw deeper than the surface. He saw what everyone else saw. But he went where nobody else could. He reached into this life and made it new again. I wonder when I look at something like that, I wonder how they reacted. Because I would have probably reacted a lot more exuberantly. But you have to understand the culture in which... They were in. Jesus, it's not the first time 
Jesus had done this. He lived the culture of miracles. Because he allowed them. He lived the culture of breakthrough. Because he allowed them. He created a culture of miracles. Because he wanted them. And there's some of us in our lives that are okay with living that casual Christianity. And God has called you to a higher level. A higher level. But guess what? That, le- that higher level of desire and passion means a higher level of discipleship. It means more than just cracking open your Bible one day a week on Sunday morning when you come in here. See, when the Bible says that you are to live from glory to glory, that doesn't mean Sunday to Sunday. That doesn't mean that you're supposed to, that that's when the, if that's the only time you open your Bible and you expect to grow just there, you're sadly mistaken. No more than if I married my wife and I said, sweetheart, right before we get married, I want to tell you, I want to tell you something that, um, you know, there's seven days in a week and, um, one, you know, I will commit to you one day a week that you and I will be husband and wife or, you know, whatever. But the other six days I can go and be with whoever I want, sleep with them, whatever. I, I could do that. But baby, baby, I want you to know that one day a week is you and me. You're mine. I'm yours. Anywhere you want to go to the mall, it's cool. I'll walk around or whatever. I'm yours. I'm completely yours. How many people signing up for that one, right? You're signing up for that one? That's the kind of husband I'm looking for. We won't take that. Or let's say you got a job, a, a, you know, a regular Monday through Friday, nine to five job, right? And you tell your boss, listen, you're interviewing or whatever. You're like, hey, listen, I would love this job but, and, and the salary and all that stuff. And, but here's the deal. I need, I need Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday off. I, but I'll work for you every Wednesday. Every Wednesday I'll be here. And here's the catch. Uh, yeah, I still want to be on salary Monday through Friday. I just will only come in on Wednesday. That's absurd, right? It's just simply absurd. No wife would agree to that one and no boss would agree to that. Why? Because you're either in or you're not. And I believe that God deserves more than you opening up your Bible just on Sunday morning. This is not an indictment. This is a judgment call here. You need to make that decision whether or not he is fully your God and your Lord. See, he can be your God from a distance, but he can only be your Lord when, he's, when you're in his presence. See, many people have Jesus Christ as their Lord uh, in their lives because they made him Lord. But many more have Jesus Christ as God right there. Stay right there. Don't come any closer because then I have to change my life. God is looking for us to crack this thing open and live dangerously. To live outside of ourselves. It's inconvenient, but inconvenient and inconvenient... What is inconvenience? Is it really that inconvenient? Can I tell you what inconvenience is? Let me define it for you. Living your life in a way that is sinless and going to a cross. That is terribly inconvenient. Living your life in such a way that you lived to help people. Look at me. You lived to help people your entire life. And then being hung on the cross. For doing, get this, nothing wrong. That is inconvenience. That, my friends, is inconvenience. And guess what? Reality hits when we realize that God went through ultimate inconvenience so that you can live life more abundantly. In other words, God cares more about what's inside of this box than you do.
because he cared for what's inside of this box first, you can then walk in life abundance. But there's no way you can do that if you live your life in such a way that you don't live with the holy nudges that God has given you. Dangerous leaders make holy nudges toward the will of the Father. So I want to, I'm going to ask you real quickly to turn with me. And, and I, I don't want to take too much time. But here's, look, look with me to John chapter 21. And here's my, here's my understanding. And here's where I'm going with this this morning. And I'm going to share this really quickly with you. But it's very important that you hang on with me for a few moments. John 21, known as the Jesus and the miraculous catch of fish. You know this was happening here. Um, let's read this. John chapter 21, beginning of verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Let me give you some background real quick. Number one, I need you to understand this is post-resurrection. That's how come it says when Jesus appeared to his disciples. So this is happening post-resurrection. This is after he rose, right? He died, buried, rose again, and then he appeared to his disciples. And so here's one of the times he appeared to his disciples. And he told them, as he was on the shore, he told them, uh, did you get any fish? No. Well then, cast your net on the right side. We've been at this all night. But all right. The Bible says very clearly that they didn't know it was Jesus. It was a man on the shore. So, all right. They cast the net on the right side. And all of a sudden, great issues happening. You know, there's bad issues that happen to you. I got issues. I got issues, right? Usually a negative connotation. I got issues. They have great issues happening now. Great issues. And this issue, we got too much fish. We couldn't catch any, but because we said yes and we cast it on the other side, we got too many. Here's what I need you to understand. Be careful of the voices around you and which one you're listening to. Because the ones that don't seem like they could be God, they could be God. Acknowledge, number one, I want you to do three things real quick. I want you to understand something. God calls us to a dangerous stretch. What does that mean? God's stretching us to believe him, stretching us to reach out. And the first thing we have to realize in verse five is that God is calling us to acknowledge the voice that calls us to more. That doesn't mean that God wants you all to be rich. I'm not in that pool of people and I'm not that pool of preacher either. But I do understand that there are times that God tells you to do something and you have to acknowledge which voice you're going to listen to. Because every one of you have voices in your life right now. And some of them are not good voices. Hello? Some of you have voices in your life that are not good voices. Others of you know the right voices. 
And when he asks them if they caught anything, there will be times in your life that you have to realize that God is asking you, how's that working for you? How's that going for you? You got to be willing to say, I, I got nothing, God. When you say you have nothing, that is your breakthrough. Some of you are too prideful to say you got nothing. But it wasn't until they realized they caught nothing that they can find something. Is this helping anybody? It's helping me. I'm going to preach. I'm going to answer my own altar call in a few moments. This is good stuff right here. Right here, I'm telling you. It's not until you acknowledge that you have caught nothing. It's not until you realize that the nets are in your hand and there's no fish. Because you've tried. You've tried. And you haven't found it because you haven't cracked open your Bible and looked for the right voice. You look for everybody else's voice and everybody else's opinion. But when's the last time you cracked open the Bible and said, God, give me an answer. I want an answer from you. You, God, not man. Number two, verse six. What did they do? They obeyed. They threw their net. They threw their net, the Bible says. That's what you do. You cast your net. You cast it out there. You understand. Listen, I don't have an answer, so I'm going to go ahead and throw it on the other side. Throw your net. Don't hold your net. Throw it because there's hope in the throw. I've done this before. I failed. I'm not going to throw my net, Pastor Tony. I've, I've tried this. You don't understand. I've been at this for a long time, Pastor Tony. Been praying for this a long time, Pastor Tony. I don't want to throw my net anymore. I'm done throwing nets. What if this last throw is worth it? What if this last throw was worth the last 10 years? What if at this throw, everything comes to fruition? What if? See, we want to say, what if bad? What if bad? What if bad? But what if good comes from believing him one more time? What if good comes from following him. Watch this. The third thing is release. Don't just throw your net, but let it go. Like fully let it go. Because what happens is many times we acknowledge the voice of God and we obey, but we never let go of the net. What do we do? I don't really want to have to fish the thing out again. I'm just going to throw the net and, you know, just wade in the water a little bit with the net. No, let it go. Let it go. Let throw the net and release it and understand that there's a release that has to happen. Take what you have and release it. Don't hoard it. Don't hold it. Don't flaunt it. Don't claim it. Release the goodness of God and share it with those around you. There's a release that has to happen. Listen, I'm going to throw my net and because I throw my net, I'm going to love somebody that's unlovable. Come on, somebody. I'm going to do some things that I've never done before. I'm going to believe and I'm going to share my faith with someone at work. I'm going to release that. Listen, I'm not just going to acknowledge God on Sunday. I'm not just going to obey God on Sunday. But through the week, I'm going to release that net so somebody could know hope that I know. Somebody would know hope. So how do I take radical risk? Real easy. Three thoughts I want to share with you. Here it is. Number one, develop a relationship. Stop thinking that this thing only happens on Sunday. And realize that it goes further than that. Much further than that. That culture of creating a relationship with God. Incorporate into your life prayer. Now, Pastor Tony, I know that. Pastors are supposed to tell people to pray. I get it. The more you practice listening to the Holy Spirit, though, 
the more prone you will know whose voice you're listening to right now. Right? The more you practice the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, the more you recognize it. I know, and here's a case in point. Parents, maybe you could help me with this. You know when it's your kid crying. Nine times out of ten. Is that right? When your kid's crying, you know that voice. You know that sound. It's a different one. It's different than other. When other kids are you know, crying, oh, that person, that kid must be upset. But when yours cries, you're like, I know that voice. I know that voice. Why? Because you've been around it. Why? Because you heard it multiple times. Why? Because it's been ingrained in you over and over again. Some of you have not heard from God because you have not put yourself in the presence to hear from him. And you haven't cultivated that atmosphere. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you need to turn off your phone. Hello? And just turn on some music and worship God right where you're at. And cut off from the world so you could hear his voice. You could hear his voice. Develop a relationship. Number two, pay attention to impressions, burdens, and whispers. Listen, you are, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, God, is not, God doesn't just speak to you in audio form. I need you to understand this. He also speaks to you in impressions, burdens, and whispers. Let me, let me break this down for you real quick. God may choose to communicate with you with impressions. Sometimes it's visual images. Sometimes it's pictures. Sometimes it's different things. And you're like, God, why, why are you showing me this picture? You'll see this impression in a dream. And God will then speak to you and he'll give you an interpretation of that. All of a sudden, impressions are important. Second thing I talked about was how, you know, burdens. And I, sometimes people ask me, Pastor Tony, how do I know the will of God for my life? Well, I know the will of God by the things I love and the things I hate. Let me explain. The things I love draws me to that. In other words, I have a burden to see people um, do this. Or I have a burden to see people change. I have a, I have a desire, right? Uh, a desire to see people, you know... Um, breakthroughs in their lives they're not that they're not this or that anymore but i have a burden i have a love for that you could find the will of god in that but here's what i also know you could also find the will of god in something you hate i hate to see this and i hate to see that god may be giving you a burden for that area because you hate to see that now the hate is not going to drive you it just feels like hate oh man i really hate to see that i really hate to see people go without food well maybe god is calling you to help with the food ministry at the church Maybe God is calling you to help somebody else. And maybe that means, maybe that means a portion of your, of your weekly paycheck. You, buy, you put some money aside, get some, and when you find somebody that needs groceries, you buy those groceries and you deliver them to them. You have a burden. Things that you hate to see people go without. Maybe that's your burden. We have a benevolence ministry here at the church and we try to help people out. And we hate to say no. We have to sometimes because it's not, there's just not enough money in there sometimes. Maybe that's your burden. Know that that's what we have. We have that available. Third thing is whisper. Sometimes we whisper. God is whispering. We think God is always in the loud worship and the loud music and the loud booms and bangs and busts. But guess what? Sometimes he's in the whisper. He's in the whisper. That still small voice. What is that? What is that in my heart? What is that in my spirit? It's a small voice that tells me, go talk to that person. All of a sudden, but God, they might think I'm weird. Go talk to that person. And you do it, and that person breaks down and says, you have no idea. I prayed this morning that someone will come to me and tell me about Jesus. Because I've lost my hope. He's in the whisper. Last but not least, simply this. 
Never mark anyone as unreachable. Never mark anyone as unreachable. Dangerous disciples never mark anyone as unreachable. God has called us to be reachable, but also to reach those who have been deemed unreachable. In my life, I'll never look at someone and say, that person will never be saved. I've seen too much. I've seen too many people radically changed and saved to believe that. I don't believe it anymore. I just don't. I believe anyone can come to Christ. I really do. And, and you should too. As long as there's a Holy Spirit in the room, he can change a life. Amen. God is calling us to embrace radical risks as dangerous disciples. I'm going to ask you all across this room, bow your heads with me for a moment. Father God, here in this place right now, I'm asking you, you give us the opportunity to hear from you. When we pray, God reveal to us the areas of our life that need attention so we too can become dangerous disciples. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Father God, we realize in our lives we are desperately in need of a Savior. And I'm praying today, God, right now, that you would raise up dangerous disciples. These men and women that follow Jesus served and loved and honored they went through turmoil they went through trial they had to deal with the crucifixion but they held on to the resurrection Lord you promised us many things one of those things is that we will have trouble I'm praying that you would help us to work through that trouble today in Jesus name